0: Hi, Pashi. Hi, hey, Sufi. It's Tom Holland week. This is very exciting. I know. Billy Elliot. Oh, that's interesting that you're going you're gonna to call back Billy Elliot. A lot of people would have leaned right into Spider-Man. Yeah, no, I'm more of a Billy Elliot. That's a really good Billy Elliot. But I guess that's not an impression of Billy Elliot because he wouldn't say his own name. No, that's like someone who's like, D- dance,
1: dance Yeah, boy. somebody who's
0: like, hey, enough talking, start dancing. <laughs> hey, Tom Holland is a giant clue. Do you know what superhero Bill Hader and I wrote a comic book about in 2008? Uh, Spider-Man. See, you do care.
2: <laughs> I feel like I did read. That was like maybe the one comic book I read.
0: Oh, I'm a huge comic book fan. And I could not convince my younger brother, Josh, that it was a medium that was interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, you guys were really excited about that. And I was excited for how excited you
0: were. Oh, that's nice. It should be noted right now that my brother is wearing glasses and a piece of tape over the bridge of his nose. He looks like a dude in the 50s who exclusively read comic books.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm pulling some real NASA vibes right now. Some, like, 50s NASA vibes. Mom and dad
0: are riding pretty high on their podcast
2: appearance. Yeah. Yeah. They say it came out pretty well. They've been listening. They like the song. I appreciate that. Nice. They, gave me they that are one. also
0: currently, they just had 52nd, 53rd an- wedding anniversary? Yeah, I would guess 53. 53. I'm not sure. Yeah, They're in Canada. And this just gives you guys, you've heard them on the podcast. So you might think, you might be worried they're not interesting all the time. But we get a text from them every day when they go on a vacation about who won that day's Scrabble game.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, current as we record this, it is 1-1 with the rubber
0: match yet to come. So obviously we'll let you guys, we'll fill everybody in on that. <laughs> They're also coming straight here next. We're going to entertain them. My wife and I, my family is going to entertain them. And Josh, could you just give the listeners a sense? Because the last son they visited was you. How wet was your kitchen on a day-to-day based on when mom and dad were there? <laughs> I'm mean, Between the coffee
2: and the soda stream, and then just like general... Like trying to maybe mop up some of that wetness and somehow generating more of it. It's, yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. You have to we had to buy those like uh
0: those Swedish kitchen wipes that are just like insanely absorbent. <laughs> when they're over it, you every morning you think you left a window open during a storm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just just small counter puddles everywhere yeah. they go.
2: We also, we make like a big uh, sort of pour over Chemex uh, coffee thing. And there was like a little bit of coffee, like one more cup left in the thing. And dad was like, can you make more uh, coffee? And mom was like, why don't you just heat up that coffee that's in there? And he was like, I don't like that. (laughs) Okay, I'll make another (laughs) pot of coffee.
0: (laughs) He's like, I need more things to make wet with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I try to wake
2: up before them, which isn't hard when they're here and get it sort of at least
0: get round like lay, lay down tarps <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> get those get those rain delay tarps out um we this is we i i should note, and they're probably listening right now this is us trying to take you down a peg after you were so red hot on the podcast although yeah. some social media feedback says mom was pretty hard on dad to only give him a five out of ten people thought he did a lot better on the podcast than that
2: yeah, they. I also don't know if mom yet has realized that you don't get paid to be on a podcast because right we I'm get glad. paid when we're guests on your show um, because that's
0: just the way it goes. Like when you're on a television show and you're a guest on a on a talk yeah, you show, you get like a guild minimum to appear. Yeah, and it's not. It is under a thousand dollars, and my mom talks about it like she just inherited Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they rerun it. You, oh, get, yeah. you get residuals. Yes. It should yeah. also note that Josh and my parents are always the guests on the Thanksgiving show on Late Night since the, since the dawn of uh, uh, my Late Night era. And we always air Thanksgiving. NBC has a football game. They have the last football game. And so that is the highest rated night of the year for NBC. And therefore, it's the highest rated episode of Late Night every year. Yeah. No exception. And my parents walk around very confident that they're the reason. Yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, people people do like it, but yeah. They do we love get, it. We, we get that bump. We, we do. We, that it end. is a Full Myers bump. family bump. And you know what? Let them have it. Let them have the bump for all I care. Yeah. yeah. Just try not to bump them when they're carrying a giant glass of water. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, will, it will slosh over the sides. <laughs> Hey, um, I, I mean, I feel like we so, I soft-plugged uh, the, the short Halloween, Bill Hader and Seth Meyers 2008 one-shot Spider-Man comic, but I'd like to now hard-plug. Josh, do you mind if I hard-plug some of my stand updates this summer that I've added due to my unscheduled free time off? Yeah, go for it. Okay, great. I'm going to be at the Payomet Performing Arts Center on July 16th. That's in North Truro, Massachusetts. Ooh, that's on the Cape. Yeah, that's on the Cape. It's on the very tip of the Cape yeah um august 9th i'm gonna be at the Seminole hard rock hotel and casino in hollywood florida i know you live in la but that's always been my hollywood Mm -hmm. (laughs) then the Seminole hard rock hotel and casino there's two of them in tampa florida the next night that's Mm -hmm. august 10th and then august 11th the wind creek event center in bethlehem pa so josh what what do you want me to do put you down for two (laughs) two in tampa two in hollywood florida uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to...
2: I'll wait for the special. I'll wait for the special on this one.
0: That's very kind of you. Um, I've watched this transition. Again, I've been uh, in the late night game now for almost, you know, nine years. Speaking of special, Tom Holland's a special guy. Absolutely. And a lovely sibling. Every time he comes on my show, he's got at least one of his brothers with him, and they are equally lovely. And I... I don't know about you. You're a little bit more jaded than me. I enjoyed talking to him.
2: <laughs> he's so charming. <laughs> he's really charming. Yeah, any, yeah, any uh, curmudgeon qualities that I might have had going in, which I didn't have any. But right. yeah, he, would have, he, will, uh, he will melt your heart. I'll say that. He will that. melt your
0: heart. So yeah. you know what? Put this on if you're feeling <laughs> a little over the world right now because he's going to make you believe in it again. Uh, please enjoy our conversation with Tom Holland.
1: Family chips with the Myers Brothers. Family chips with
0: the Myers brothers. Here we go. Welcome to Family Trips with the
1: Myers Brothers. Nice to meet you. Josh, it's nice to meet you, sir.
0: Yeah, uh, lovely to have you
2: here. My girlfriend also, Mackenzie, wanted me to say hello. You do not know her. Okay. She does not know you, but Send she insisted I say right hello. Back. Yeah.
0: So you were one of the first people I thought of for this podcast because, Tom, you've been on my show multiple times, and you have never been at my show without at least one of your family members with you. Absolutely. And I feel... So I, because I, I feel like backstage family, that's not make-believe. If you have your mm-hmm. family backstage, you, you're, you're not pretending to be close. So you are an incredibly, I want to go through the list real quick. Dad, Dominic. Mom, mm-hmm. Nikki, Correct. He's a comedian. She's a photographer. Yes. Then you have uh, twin brothers, Harry and Sam, younger. And yep. then a, four, a third brother. Uh, uh, there's a fourth Holland boy, but that is Patty.
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: All right. So, first of all, I want to get into your childhood, but it feels like showbiz started when you were very young. And then, of course, your dad was an entertainer as well. Do you feel like you had any sort of conventional childhood or did it always feel like a showbiz childhood?
1: It's interesting. I grew up in show business, but not because I chose to. And and let me stress in saying it also wasn't because my parents were the mummager, dadager type people. They just thought that I loved dancing. It was something that I kind of excelled at. And they thought I would just really enjoy doing it. I had an audition for this show that came up pretty organically. I was auditioning for that show for two years. Again, my parents just thought it was a good exercise in character, something that would build character in me. I don't think they'd ever anticipated that I would get the gig. So when I got cast and I started performing in that show, at the time, it was really just like a summer camp. It wasn't like at the beginning of a career. It wasn't a keep your head down, son, because maybe you'll get an agent out of this. It was just enjoy yourself. This is a crazy experience. You're performing on the West End at 11. Enjoy yourself. And everything that came after that wasn't planned. It wasn't something we looked for. I wasn't you know, gunning for an agent or gunning for a film. I just was lucky that this lady came to see the show. She signed me. We sort of thought as a family, like, why not? There's no harm in saying no. She sent me a script, an audition. I went to the audition. I thought nothing of it. I got the part. I was then in Thailand with Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor. And I just was like, I'm going to be an actor. This is really cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, not bad. <laughs> all right, so I, I'm lucky enough to know some of these details because, first of all, you like dancing, yep. and so your mom enrolls you. And I do feel like, if I remember correctly, the name of the dance studio is Nifty Feet. Yes.
1: Wow. Well done, Seth. <laughs> Jeez.
0: We had a little bit of fun with Nifty Feet. I, Nifty Feet sounds like a British film that came out in the 90s that I missed.
1: You know what I mean? It sounds like a film that I should make to be perfectly honest (laughs) with you. Yeah. Nifty feet was this really great little dance school. It was every Saturday. It was at the YMCA and we would go there and it was like a sort of naff street dance club. And it just so happened that the lady that owned the school was very close with the casting director of Billy Elliot. So it was all super organic. Um, but I had so much fun at Nifty Feet. I loved expressing myself. I loved learning how to dance. I thought it was really fun. I love that one time we did this show at uh, the Wimbledon Fate. Now, the Wimbledon Fate is a very, very well-to-do occasion. Wimbledon, obviously where okay. Wimbledon Tennis is, very high-end mm-hmm. part of London, very, very posh kind of clientele. And we did a street dance show and the street dance teacher did not get the not explicit versions of the songs. So I remember there, my granny being there and my parents and all of these really, really posh people who'd come to watch these little kids dance. And the language was pretty bad. So I do remember that being rather funny.
2: Were there monocles just dropping left just and right?
1: Just canes hitting the floor. <laughs> people saying, outrage, order. <laughs> It was like the House <laughs> of Commons all of a sudden.
0: You could still hear the clatter of the canes. I will say, even posh or not, I do feel like, and I don't want to judge, I've never been a dance instructor, I feel like you should probably get the clean version no matter uh, where the kids
1: are from. Especially when they're nine years old, you know?
0: Nine years old, yeah. yeah. So when you, doing, when you were doing Billy Elliot, was that year-round? How, how long did you
1: do it? There would typically be four of us in the show playing Billy, and we would alternate. Hard times, there was three of us, which was tough because you had to take up a lot of, you know, pick up a lot of the slack. There was a few times in my run there where we had five billies, which was glorious because, you know, at that time, I was the more senior Billy, so I was getting the Saturday shows and the, and the Friday night shows, which was awesome. I did 176 shows. It was the time of my life. I was a young kid performing on the West End, you know, dancing my heart out and, you know, We had these, these ballet girl teams. There was three teams. All of us had girlfriends in every team because they were all never in the theater at the same time. Um, So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I look back on it very fondly and, uh, it changed my life. It, It gave me such a wonderful background, such a great kind of education into work ethic, professionalism, performing at the highest level and working with adults, uh, which was weird for me, actually. When I went back to school, I was so used to doing as I was told and being professional. And when the adult in the room is talking, you're listening. So when I went back to my like very regular rugby school and the teacher would be like, quiet, and no one would be quiet, I remember really struggling to fit in because the, mm-hmm. I, was, you know, I was different. I was, I guess, more mature at the time.
2: Did you ever think about touring with Billy Elliot? Or was it, I mean, I guess once you've done the West End there would be Broadway or...
1: To be perfectly honest with you, when I was in the show, I don't know if you've seen the show. It's a very difficult show to take on tour. So I think at that time, they might have been talking about it. But I was so lucky that I ended up in that film with Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor that I kind of missed that part of the Billy Elliot experience and just went on to do films and and sort of start that next chapter of my career.
0: So that film is The Impossible. And I know that was an incredibly arduous film physically, a lot of acting and water tanks. And then, of course, I don't have to tell any of our listeners that you've taken on very, the arduous work of the the Marvel (laughs) Cinematic Universe. With that said, was Billy Elliot the most physically taxing thing you've done?
1: I think it probably was, you know. I remember we have this thing in the UK called the bleep test. I don't know if you guys have it here, but it's like a fitness test that they do for athletes where... You're in a hall, you're on a field. There's two points. There's A and B. Let's say they're 100 meters apart. 100 meters might be a bit far. Let's say 50 meters apart. And you have to run between the two markers. And each time you get from A to B, there's a bleep. And the bleep gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And if you don't make it to the other side before the bleep, you're out. And I remember when I finished Billy Elliott and I came back to school, I absolutely pissed the bleep, te- the bleep test. Like, <laughs> like annihilated the rugby team, annihilated the football team. Because I was just so fit. And then I remember the teachers putting me in all the, all the football teams and rugby teams. And I was like, no, darling, I'm a dancer. I'm not, I'm not into the team sport <laughs> thing yet. Um, but it was definitely very physical. There's no hanging upside down. There's no fighting. There's no stunts or dangerous stuff with Billy Elliot. It's all just fitness. Um, but it was amazing. I had such a Were good time. Were you
0: judged at all by your classmates for, for returning uh, to school as, as this um, West End dancer, performer?
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of it. You know, going to a rugby school and being the one kid that does ballet is always a tricky, tricky conversation. It does
0: seem like act one of Nifty Feet. Exactly,
1: right. Act one of Nifty Feet, (laughs) the (laughs) hardships of being a ballet dancer in tough, tough Wimbledon. But yeah, as much as I tried to convince the guys in my school, that I was like, no, it's just me in a classroom with 30 girls in tights. Like I'm telling you, this is way better than rugby. No one believed me. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was a tough time, but, you know, I had good friends there, and I got through it, and, and I'm happy now. Yeah.
0: You were like, there are three groups of female dance teams. There's three other Billies.
1: You can't believe what you yeah. get away with. It's <laughs> unbelievable.
0: So your brothers, uh, your first set, the twins, Harry and Sam, they're four years younger than you? Is that right? They
1: are three years younger than me, yeah.
0: Were they aware when you first start doing Billy Elliot on the West End? I'm assuming they're old enough to come, so they're six, seven years old, they right? They
1: would have been aware. They would have been old enough to kind of understand that it was a pretty cool thing. My little brother, Paddy, would have been really young, like three or four maybe. And he saw me do the show once. And there's this really impressive sequence in the show called Dream Ballet, where Billy does a duet with his older self. And ultimately at the end of the dance, he's flying around the stage on a wire. There's dry ice everywhere. It's to Swan Lake. It's a beautiful number. It's super, super impressive. But it's right after the interval. So my mom's sitting there with my brother, Paddy, who must have been no older than four at the time. She's watching the show. She turns to Paddy and she goes, Paddy, what do you think? And he was smashing one of those ice creams and he just went, yum. (laughs) Completely like not focusing on what was happening at all. (laughs)
0: My wife took our oldest to see The Lion King when he was six. And I was so excited to get him to report back. But what happened... He had never been up that late. He went to an evening showing of The Lion King, and when it was over, they took a taxi. We lived downtown, and so he had never been in Times Square at night. And so I asked, like, tell me about The Lion King. He's like, "Do you? there's nothing about The Lion King that's more interesting. Do you know... Anything about the city we live in? Yeah, it is insane. There are so many lights. Dad. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's we should have introduced him to Times Square first before he could." Brilliant. Enjoy. I them. wanted to buy your kids stuff. I remember Seth like glow
2: in the dark stuff like to play with at night. And then I was like, "They've never even seen night. Like yeah, they don't. They don't exist in the night. They're too little." Right.
0: When you have kids, Tom, put them in bed. We put them to bed at six thirty, and Great. we still have a light. Okay, and, good. Uh, they will eventually get on to you because right now, like it's bedtime, and they're like pulling the shades back and saying, "Is, Is it though?" Really
1: bedtime. That's when you need those shades that like are attached to the side of the windows. It's somewhat more yeah. like a prison cell at that point. But, prison you know, shapes, like, who, yeah. who cares? You need your sleep. You know, you're a busy guy, Seth.
0: So your dad's a comedian. Yes. I was reading up. He was at Edinburgh. He won uh, Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Fringe in 1993. Yep. Josh and I both performed at Edinburgh. No way. We, uh, we only missed him by a few years. We were there in the late 90s doing shows. What did
1: you guys do there? Stand up?
0: We had been at a sketch comedy improv troupe in Amsterdam, of all places. Okay. And so we came over... And we did that sort of improv show. Then there was a year that I was doing a two-person show, and I had to leave about a week before the end of our run because I had gotten hired on SNL, and Josh wow. actually stepped in and did my part for a full week.
1: Wow. How was that, Josh?
0: It was great because I would finish the show that I was doing,
2: which was down the road at the Pleasance, mm-hmm. and right from the curtain call, I would book sort of up the cobblestone streets to get to whatever theater they were performing at and I would just step in and I watched that show so many times um, that I sort of knew it backwards and forwards yeah. and also a lot of it was improv and they were nominated for a Perrier mm-hmm. I remember so I never said that I was Josh because you were still in the running sure sure
1: sure right and- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, if they're gonna win, we can't say that he bailed yeah, yeah, on yeah. it. So we just sort of I'd tell you what. Yeah, it was a weird whisper and people were like, "You you look taller. Are you look
1: Yeah. You guys definitely um, do look like brothers. Like there was no yeah. confusing you two when everyone popped on the Zoom. Yeah. Yes,
0: if what if you haven't seen one of us for a while, it's easy to think get it mistaken. Like if we're right next to each other, you can tell the right. difference, but Josh,
1: have you ever thought about hosting the show and just just not addressing it and just seeing what happens?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I could fool some people, I'm you sure. Just
1: do it and never talk about it. Just never once bring yeah. it. Yeah.
0: I think we well, can f- at least fool some foreign markets. Yeah. You yeah. know, English is a second language, you might like not quite notice the nuance.
2: I was once at a party with uh talking to a girl that Seth had dated years and years ago and we were just having a nice catch-up and we knew each other and we're you know friendly and at some point she was like i'm sorry i have to walk away now it's just this is a little too weird and i
0: was like oh okay brilliant, (laughs) thank you She was like okay yep goodbye i guess that means i was a heck of a guy
1: a heck of a guy (laughs) i'd say we was just talking about um edinburgh how amazing is that place though during the festival It's the best. There's nothing quite like that.
0: You know, again, we are talking about travel. I would recommend to anybody, first of all, Edinburgh is a beautiful city, never more so than August. Yeah, The greenest place, one of the greener places I've ever been. They're just shows all day, from dance to theater to comedy, Mm -hmm. and you could just go from show to show to show with a little bit of time in between to, to maybe have a nice beer. Absolutely. It's the best. And your dad went back. Recently, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was going to say one of my fondest family memories was my dad did Edinburgh maybe four years ago or five years ago. His show was called Eclipsed. It was this kind of very funny take on my career, and his career was kind of what his set was about. It was a real family affair. Like my brother Sam did all the lights for him, my mum was front of house. My brother Harry and I were in Canada shooting a film. And we managed to somehow get all the way to Edinburgh without him finding out. We surprised him at this weird little campsite that we were staying at while he was doing the show. It was honestly like such an amazing family experience for us to be there, to see him perform. He did one of those gigs where you didn't have to pay to go, but you could pay if you felt like he did a good job. So we'd all be standing outside with these buckets and people would be throwing pounds at us and stuff. And it was an amazing experience. And... You know, seeing my dad in his element and doing what he does best is is awesome. It was such a pleasure.
0: Because you probably missed it to some degree. As a young person, you weren't going out on tour with your dad, right? And seeing him do comedy, because that's not a very easy thing to bring kids yeah,
1: to. Yeah, 100% not. I mean, I've seen my dad a handful of times when it's been, you know, on his terms. I don't think my dad would like us just to show up at a gig. Yeah. Because you know what it's like. It's an d- added pressure. I mean, we went to the comedy cellar last night. We had a great time. Lucky that we saw fantastic comedians with a great room. Everything seemed to go really well. But I've been to nights like that where you've got all the ingredients, but for some reason it just tastes like shit and it doesn't work. So I can see how someone wouldn't want a surprise visit from his son and all of his (laughs) friends. Um, But I've seen my dad a handful of times. I admire, I cannot believe how terrifying it must be doing stand-up yeah i love stand-ups i love the world i think it's so interesting because when i work i get picked up in the morning someone makes my breakfast someone does my hair and makeup someone puts on my costume someone tells me what to say someone tells me where to stand you know and they call us artists and when you're backstage <laughs> at a comedy show you see you know your favorite comic show up in a raincoat rip off the jacket, go on stage, rip it for 10 minutes and go to the next club. I just think that it is such a raw form of entertainment that is so exposing. I was sitting there with my brother last night, as why we're here on this podcast. I'm always with a brother. We're at a comedy club and we're like, can you believe that dad like made a living out of doing this? Day in and day out, club to club. I, I just, I admire my dad. I think he's an amazing comedian, but he's an, unbelievably wonderful dad. And the fact that he was able to be a great dad and also do that for a living is a real testament to who he is as a person.
0: It's interesting because, you know, obviously he he knows showbiz and then his kids go into showbiz because your brothers have as well. Yeah. I would be worried if my kids w- went into showbiz as well because I, I know all the anxiety about it. But at least I feel like your dad can say, well, I had it worse. Right. <laughs> at least they're not going to the stand-up <laughs> clubs because that would be... You know, the the day my my son says I'm going to try to do five minutes at the cellar is the day I can't sleep. It's
1: so funny you say that, though, because I'm watching the the comics last night at the cellar and, like, I've thought about material and i thought about putting sets together because I just admire it. I think it's such an amazing thing to be able to do. And I'm sitting there and I'm with my brother and I'm like, would you, would you get up there? And he's like, bro, I can't stop thinking about getting up there. I'm like, well, fucking go. Like, I'm sure we can pull some strings here and say, like, you want to do five minutes? And as soon as, like... The actual opportunity to do it comes up. You're like, nah, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I can sit here right now and be like, yeah, I'll rip the shit out of a room for 10 minutes. Give me the opportunity. (laughs) I'll be like, oh, no, I don't feel like I can do that.
0: The hardest I ever bombed was in Edinburgh. So I was doing this two-person sketch improv show. And I don't know if you ever went to Layton Live or if it still even exists, but it would start at 1 a.m. and it would be just sets from different comedians who were doing shows at Edinburgh. It was sort of a best of. And so it was mostly locals okay. that would come for a cheaper ticket to see all the best acts. And our show was getting very well-reviewed. Audiences liked it, but it was not a stand-up show. It was a two-person improv show. Okay. And we got invited to do Late in Live, and we thought, well, we can't possibly, we can't possibly say no. This is too exciting. And trying to do improv comedy in a room full of very inebriated Scots was the worst. And my brother was in the audience. And let me just say, Tom, I am very lucky. Like you, I have an incredibly supportive brother. And usually when I walk off stage and I, you know, if I'm spitting out that I didn't think it was a good show, he's there to tell me it was way better than you thought it was. And that was one time where he just looked at me and just was, (laughs) (laughs) that was real bad. (laughs) It was rough. (laughs) Because that show also sort of,
2: invited people to heckle. Right. It was understood that this is late and live. It is, you know, well-known comedians. They're going to be trying new stuff, but also, like, sort of throw you to the lions. And uh, there was, like,
0: there was a one-word review that someone yelled out to you, Seth, or maybe it was two. So, I again, we bombed... And then I do remember we bombed, but then we got 50 pounds for showing up there. And so me and my partner, Jill, I said, you know what? This proves we did a thing. And then I had to go back into the theater to grab one of our friends. And they were saying goodnight. And they were listing all the comedians. And they were getting applause. And then they got to us. The name of our show was Pickups and Hiccups. And they said, and uh, give it up for Pickups and Hiccups. Dead silence, except one guy went, shite! and it was just <laughs> while i was standing there
1: shite absolutely <laughs> fucking shite that's funny how do you deal with yeah. that sort of stuff like obviously so to try and merge two worlds i've had a similar experience this past week you know we were just talking about the reviews of the crowded room yep they weren't what we were expecting um, delighted to say that audiences seem to be loving it now i try to take a really positive approach but i'm able to see that it's not a personal Attack, But I imagine as a comic coming off of stage, having not done a good set, it must feel really personal. Right.
0: And we were saying, I do appreciate critics taking the time. They're not always going to like your work. But I do. If a critic actually sits down and writes thoughtfully about what did or in some cases did not work, that is easier to say. It's not personal. When a Scottish guy yells shite, right. it does feel like maybe less <laughs> less thought went into it. And it does sort of hit you in the personal part sure. of your psyche. But, I mean, ultimately, I do think people show up wanting to be entertained. Right. So, you know, that is – and you have to be thankful and grateful for that. Okay. So if people don't like it, I try not to blame an audience. And I certainly try not to blame critics as well. Of course. Um, but it is tough. You know, there's no easy way to deal other with it. than just to just to keep moving forward. I
1: think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you've got to just keep moving forward. And comedians must have the thickest skin of anyone because to be able to the highs and lows of being a comic must be such a, an interesting balance. But my dad told me about a show when he was a kid. I'm not sure it still goes on now. And it was called The Gong Show.
0: Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah.
1: And he used to say that, like, that was an audience that wanted you to fail they didn't want you to be there he said you maybe had enough time to get one joke out and if that joke came out they laughed that was it that's all you were getting you know he told us the story the first time he ever did a show and he absolutely f- fell on his ass and we're like but why why did you do it again like what was wrong with you why would you why would you put yourself <laughs> through that again so i've always really admired my dad's resilience you know he's he's a pretty he's a pretty sturdy bloke
0: and uh, you know i think that they say one of the smart things to do when you're writing as a comedian is to write what you know. And that last Edinburgh show was about the fact it's was it called Eclipsed?
1: Yeah, it was called Eclipsed, yeah.
0: And so your dad, you know, your dad was fairly well known there. Right. And I think certainly when you first became the Tom Holland we know today, I'm assuming people in England would say, Oh, that's that's Dominic Collins kid. Right. And so, you know, you began as the oh, this is interesting, the son of a, a celebrity. Sure. And then your dad basically wrote a show about how he is now the father of a celebrity. Yeah, right.
1: It went from like, <laughs> oh, that's Dom's kid to that's Tom's dad. <laughs> and um, it's great. The show was brilliant. He actually wrote a book about it. He has a book called An Eclipse, which is a wonderful read. And it's insight into his early career, insight into my early career, the parallels between the two where I was lucky enough to sort of reach the kind of success I'm seeing now and the things that didn't kind of work out for him. Um, But it's nice for us as a family to have that piece of work because – it's such a great, it's like a It's like a memoir. It's like a, a diary yes. of our life. So it's, it's really nice to go back and read that.
0: It's also nice that the way he chose to do it was in a really positive sort of share with the world, both book and show, sure. as opposed to just wait to like a very drunken family dinner.
1: And it also, yeah, you're right. Like it came <laughs> from a place of love. It wasn't like a, I'm really jealous of my son and this is my ploy to like bring him down a peg or two. It was all like a, it was, it, It was a great show. I wish. I wonder if he has a recording of it. I'd love to see that show again. It was a lot of fun.
0: So I guess I want to get back to sort of the theme of our show. Did you, as a family, were you, uh, with the six of you take trips together? Was that something that happened in your youth?
1: It's something we still do now. It's something like it's really a big part of our year. Something my mom is, you know, she's the boss of the family and she organizes the trips and she decides where we go we 've been all over the world we 've been so lucky as a family sometimes it 's been where i 'm working Thailand we did five months in Thailand um, to shoot that movie we 've been to Africa you know i don 't think we 've done I did South America with my mum for a film, which was the most hilarious experience of all time because typical the American producers made it seem like we were in the most dangerous place in the world and sent us this document of like what to do, what not to do. They went as far as telling my mom that she should wrap her hair up and not speak English in public. And we were like, I think you're over-egging where we are. Like you can relax. So... I've got hilarious videos of my mom sitting in bed just absolutely petrified. But we had a wonderful time. (laughs) We were in Cartagena in Colombia for eight weeks, and it was amazing. I loved it.
0: Does she travel well in general? Is your mom a good travel companion?
1: She is a good travel companion. My parents are terrible flyers just because Mm. it's something I do every week. I'm on a plane going somewhere every week. There's no reason for flying to be stressful. It's a relatively easy task and flying with my parents is like travelling with two toddlers who refuse to give up control. You know, I try I think I've I don't know. I travel every week. I'm on a plane every week going somewhere new. And when I fly with my parents, they're still adamant that I'm not old enough to look after my passport. My dad has this like <laughs> stupid little bum bag thing he wears. You guys call it a fanny pack and he has yep. all the passports in it. And he's constantly panicking because he can't find one of the passports. And it's because I've put my foot down. I'm like, Dad, I can look after my own passport. It's fine. Um, So we travel all the time. How about you guys? Do you ever do trips with both your families?
0: I do just want to say real quick that I thought Fanny Pack was the worst possible name for it. But I do think bum bag is a little bit worse. That's what we
1: call it, a bum bag. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I apologize to the Fanny Pack uh,
1: name. In England, a fanny is what we would refer to as, the, as a vagina. That's what it's yeah. short slang for for us. And I did this thing for Spider-Man 1 where I went undercover as an American student at the Bronx School of Science. Mm-hmm. And I was there for like Very five fitting. days. I was under the radar. And I remember the teacher telling me to sit on my fanny. And as a Brit, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. And I had no idea that it meant bum. But um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway.
2: Yeah. We have a friend whose whose father I think got married for the third time and he was like he devoted to his fanny pack and part of the agreement on that third marriage was like you got to retire that thing. You can't wear yeah.
0: it anymore. Um and he gave it up. Yeah. We traveled a lot as kids, but we never left the country. Did you come to the States before your showbiz career?
1: I don't think we we never came to America. No, not before show business. Mm-hmm. It, it was a bit far and expensive for us as kids, yeah. you know. When we were younger, it would be trips to Spain and France and Portugal and Mm -hmm. and places that are neighboring the UK. You know, we're so spoiled in Europe, being able to hop on a plane in two hours, you're in a completely different country with different culture and food and all that sort of stuff. So I think as Europeans, we typically stayed within the kind of three-hour flight radius, let's say, and then as we grew up a little bit – and, you know, we wanted to sort of explore the world. We did safaris in Africa, and, and my brothers went traveling through Australia. And it, we've been very lucky to travel to the places we've been.
0: As kids, were they culture vacations or beach vacations?
1: Mainly culture vacations. My Our family's very proactive. We're very into, let's go scuba diving. Let's go hiking up the mountain. Let's go do all these sorts of stuff. Let's try the food. Let's go and meet the people that live in the, the authentic cultural town down the road, you know? And as kids, I think we probably thought that was kind of boring. But now as we've grown up, one of my favorite things about my job is traveling to a new place, getting to spend a few months there and just really diving into the culture and meeting the people. And I love that I have really random friends dotted around the world from different beach bars to villages to all that sort of stuff.
2: Did you have vacations that sort of like ever went wrong? Or do you have any like, oh, yeah, that one? We miss, we missed the mark on that.
1: We had a vacation in Portugal where we all got the most severe stomach bug. And it was just, we were in a villa. It was me, my entire family, my auntie, Sarah and Tim, and their three kids. And there was nine of us just violently vomiting. And <laughs> I don't know about you, Josh, if you have kids, but I can imagine like when your kids are sick, Seth, that must just be feeling like the end of the world. But when you're like looking after your kid and also throwing up into the same bucket, it was just (laughs) the most brutal week. And it was literally like the day we left was the day that we all had broken the sickness. It was brutal.
0: (laughs) That's the way. Leave it in Portugal. When you would travel as kids, Mm -hmm. how would the uh, sort of sleeping arrangement work? Did you have to sort of share a room with all your brothers?
1: We would share rooms. Yeah, we would always share rooms. I mean, typically now I'm going on a golf holiday in three weeks, three weeks or four weeks uh, with like eight of us. And I know that one of my brothers will be my bunk partner for the four days that we're there. So we're always chopping and changing, sharing rooms, top and tailing. It's it's, it's something we still do today.
0: Golf is a real release for you, right? It is. I mean, I think it speaks to how stressful this is how stressful your life is, is that golf is relaxing.
1: And what's so interesting is like I went away this weekend to play golf to get away from the city and, you know, to focus on something positive. And I'm like nine holes into my first round and I'm saying, like, why do I do this to myself? Like, I was upset before, now I'm miserable.
2: Do you ever, like, play scrambles and take it away from your own personal
1: score? So, exactly, Josh. I got to the turn on the first round. I said, guys, I can't take this anymore. Like, can we please play a scramble? (laughs) You're supposed to have 14 clubs in your bag. I came back this weekend with nine. So... (laughs) Oh, so from, from just tossing them? Just over my knee, back of my neck, just... Great. Yeah, it was... Oh, I wow. See, this
0: is, uh, this brings me, and I, I apologize that your rage brings me joy, because I find you uh, so effervescent, a personality. Right. I'm. It makes me happy that golf can also break you. It's
1: so funny. Sandaya came to play golf with me the other day, and I'm delighted to say she loved it. She had a great time, but... First time? Was it the first time? This was the second time she had come to play okay, golf great. with me. Okay, great. There was a point in time where we're driving the buggy and she, she was like, why are you so angry? And I was like, I just was like, oh, you don't understand. I've played this game for over 20 years and I feel like I'm not going anywhere and it's really difficult. And she's like, but it's, it's, a, it's a game. You're here with your friends playing a game. Enjoy yourself. And I'm like, no, you're right. You're totally right. And I wish I had that mindset, but I can't do that right now.
0: That's a conversation my wife has with me about just being a sports fan and how I react. And it's the worst part about when they make that argument is there's no rational counter argument. No, of course they're right. 100%. And yet you just want to say it's too late for me. It's just too late for me.
1: It's like my emotions have peaked and I just have to wait for them to plateau. So I'm going to do what yeah. I can to try and manage my emotions. But what what sport are you into?
0: Well, Josh is a well, oh, it, as a as a viewer I'm a, a football, uh, American football yeah. fan. And uh, that would, I would say that's the one that still has the biggest emotional grip on me. Our dad is from Pittsburgh. And so once a year, we go in, and see a Steeler game together. It's a wonderful vacation, but the problem is the games are on Sunday. And so it's the last thing that happens is the outcome of a game. Right. And so uh, sometimes you do feel as though uh, no matter how good the dinners are and how fun, playing cards at the hotel bar has been if the Steelers lose on the Sunday, you could just get on the
1: plane angry. Right, totally, yeah. It's make or break. It's yeah. make or break.
0: But I would say Seth and
2: my father are really, they wallow in it. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's a sign of character. Yeah, we call our parents on Sunday. And if you call after the game, my parents also will always jump on together. So they're on speakerphone. Right. And if the Steelers have lost, all we're going to talk about is – how bad the offensive line sure. was or how and mm. it's just like it's just a drag. <laughs> I just I almost need to split right, right right them up for that conversation. Cause I'll talk to mom and she'll be able to talk about her week and her book club sure. and her golf leagues and things like that. But dad has nothing to talk about other than how bad the Steelers were on a on a week with a loss. That's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: So we used to golf as a family, Tom, and I I opted I just realized I was not wired for it. I have my dad's temper. My dad is also not wired for it because of his temper, but he stuck it out. And my poor brother, who, again, loves golfing and does it a lot on his own, he went on a golf trip with my parents to Ireland last year. Amazing. Yeah. It was great. It was, uh, yeah, we had a, we had like four
2: days of golf, I want to say. We were in Port Marnock, and then we went out to the K Club Amazing. in County Kildare, yeah. which is pretty posh, really nice. And... Uh, but after the first two rounds, i I don't know if you have this with your father, but it's hard sometimes to give notes to your father right. like to his face, yeah, 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 so i I had to send him an email that was like hey if if you're going to be that angry on the golf course, then like let's go sightseeing right, like, right, I, right. we don't have to play golf. <laughs> like I want to have fun. We're here in Ireland, it's beautiful, it's like historic, and uh if you're going to be that angry, let's skip it. And he wrote back just a two-word reply that was like, we play. And it was like, okay. Your yeah.
1: dad so. sounds like someone I would get along with.
0: <laughs> and then he unsubscribed from his son's emails. Amazing. He didn't yeah. want it. It's so funny like,
1: it. what you say about giving your dad notes. I'm not at that stage in my life yet where I can I can do that. You know, I have a lot of respect it's for hard. my dad. And, and I would really struggle. This morning, I must have called my dad nine times. Because I really want to talk to him. I miss him. I haven't spoken to him in a couple of days. We went to a comedy show last night. I feel really close to him for going. So I wanted to speak to him. And he didn't answer the phone. So I wrote this text message, which was like, Dad, why do you bother having a phone if you're never going to answer it? And then I deleted it because I'm like, I can't, I can't send that to my dad. <laughs> I just said, tried you a yeah. bunch of times, Dad. Give me a call back when you can. So I need to maybe learn how to be more honest with my dad, maybe.
0: My parents will drive to visit me and my family. And it's about a three-hour drive. And so my wife will say, do you know when they're going to be here? And I'll call my dad's cell phone and I'll call my mom's cell phone and I'll call my dad. And I know it's just two of them in a car. Yeah. And I cannot wrap my head around what is going on with the cell phones. No, it's ridiculous. Neither of them, yeah.
1: It's my dad. My dad has the same thing I have. I have this really terrible noise intolerance thing. Like I I just my ADHD, like if you and I, if we're having this conversation now and there is just the slightest constant noise, my brain doesn't work. I can't hold the conversation. My dad's is so severe that I guess the the ringtone of his phone just sets him on edge. So he's like, I'm going to just have no ring at all. So what we now have to do is we have to figure out which brother is in closest proximity to mum and dad and call one of them. And then I feel really bad because I call my brother Paddy and I'm like, you can tell he's excited to chat and you're like, Paddy, is mum there? So that now I'm like, I have to like check myself and be like, hey Paddy, how are you? It's nice to see you. Anyway, where's mom and dad? I'm fucking calling them for hours.
0: Now you, uh, you'd mentioned your mom's in charge of the vacations. Yeah. She also, is it true that she's also, she was in charge of finding you an apartment? hmm Or a place to live? And can you just let everybody know where it's kind of incredible luck where she found a place for you to live?
1: Yeah, and it's also, I can add to that story now. It's two for two. Um, she found me a wonderful apartment. I love living there. It is a few hundred feet from my parents' house. Okay. <laughs> and at the time, so it was I was a young kid. I still had my mom's cooking. I could somewhat justify bringing my laundry over there. And then I, you know, I outgrew the place. I needed somewhere a little bit more private. I found a house. I fell in love with the house. I moved in. That house is, just a few hundred feet from that apartment, so I'm still just as close. <laughs> surprise, surprise, who found the house? My mum found the house. Um, so I live in a lovely house with two of my brothers, two of my best friends, and my parents live only down the road. So we are a very tight-knit little group, and uh, you know we see each other all the time. Which two are the brothers? Uh, Harry and Sam, the twins. So you live with the twins? Yeah, and what's great okay. about living with Sam is that he's a chef a professional chef. Oh great. A great one at that. So and he's doing these he, these Instagram videos where he you know is teaching people how to cook things easily for cheaply if you're a young kid who's trying to live in London and it's incredibly expensive right now. Go to Sam's Instagram and you'll find out how to make easy dishes quickly and we just get to come home and feast on all the food that he's been making for these videos. So I haven't cooked in months which is great. Um so living with Sam is is awesome.
2: Are you a good cook when you cook?
1: I would consider myself a good cook. Zendaya doesn't seem to like my cooking. Um, right. But the upside to me cooking to Zendaya cooking is that I'll finish with 10 digits. And if Zendaya cooks, she'll slice one of her fingers off. Because she, yeah. I don't know why <laughs> she decides to <laughs> chop up vegetables like she's some sort of samurai. Like it is the most stressful experience ever. Um, but, uh, but no, so I do the majority of the cooking when, when it's just the two of us.
0: I do feel like that would come down on you. I feel like her agent would leave you a very strongly worded voicemail if you let Zendaya cook and she lost one of her fingers.
1: Mate, when we were in New York doing The Crowded Room, she came to visit. She was lovely enough to cook dinner for when I got home from work. And I came home. I saw an empty kitchen with food everywhere, a really bloody rag and a knife, and was like, oh, my God, what's (laughs) happened? And she'd cut herself. Like really badly too. And she's like, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Showed me her finger. And I was like, we need to go to the hospital. Like you need stitches. Like that is really deep. She ended up getting stitches and she was fine. And she was actually a real, like, she was a boss about it. Nothing, no anesthetic, nothing. She just straight in, had the sutures and was fine. Um, but yeah, so she, she's cut herself a few times. She'll probably hate me for telling you that story.
0: I Look, I th- you said she was a boss. If I cut my finger cooking, I would tell my wife to just leave me to die.
1: Yeah, mate, I'd I do not wanna... I'd black out. <laughs> yeah. I would actually, I'd black <laughs> In out. In New
0: York City, I'm like, no, it's just better to leave me to die. Move on without me. Uh, I want to go back to golf real quick. I assume a lot of people, the most famous person they've played golf with is you. But who's the most famous person you've played golf with?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've played with some, some very famous golfers. I played with Jordan Spieth. Right. A few weeks ago, I played with Colin Morikawa and Kurt Kitayama, which was a real honor. I'm delighted to say that I went four up on Colin, the front nine. Wow. And then he absolutely annihilated me on the back nine um, and won the match.
0: I feel like that speaks to your ability to rise to the moment. I would be very, I mean, again, I'm a terrible golfer to begin with. But did you, do you feel like more pressure when you're with a professional golfer?
1: I'm like a real pressure person. I really, really thrive under pressure. I love... The feeling of being stressed and being overwhelmed, like I I get like this really weird kick out of it. So anytime I'm playing golf, I joke that like, if you get a camera out, I'm doing something special. Like, I don't know what it is about being on camera, but like, I just, I love it. There's something about it. I was playing a few years ago, playing some of the worst golf I've ever played in my life. I was in a real hole, but I'd signed up to do this pro-am. Thousands of people showed up, it's on live television. And I don't know what happened. I just, I just, I played the best round of golf I've ever played in my life. It was the best. Honestly, everything I've achieved in my career, that was the best day of my life.
0: I would imagine. Uh I, do you ever, when you have like a bad front nine, like you had the other day, do you ever turn to your friends and be like, the problem is you're not famous enough? Yeah, exactly. If you guys were more famous. Why are you
1: all just so (laughs) unbelievably ordinary? It's so frustrating.
0: (laughs) No pressure here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, when Seth golfs, it, I don't know if there's a difference in Seth's baseball stance and his golf stance. Okay. Yeah, I like um, to have one stance for all the sports. He's just
1: more, just yeah. slightly bent over.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. But it's the same. It looks like it's the same grip on the club.
1: But. That's no good. Josh, what's your handicap?
2: I'm like a 16. Okay, it's so not. You play good I'm, golf, I'm nothing. Though. I'm all right. Yeah.
0: What are you currently, Tom?
1: I'm currently a four, but. I'm not shooting to a four right now. I just had some lessons to go through a few swing changes to get to get my bad rounds. My bad rounds are really bad, and my good rounds are really good. There's no middle ground. So I'm working on a bit of consistency. So in those lessons, I have sort of lost the ability to play golf right now. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'll bring it back and, and start striping it again, I'm sure. Nice. I
0: don't want to uh, spend too much time on this, but we were originally going to call this podcast twins can we trust them right you have uh so you have uh brothers that are twins okay how is how is it living
1: with twins uh, to be perfectly honest with you growing up it's an absolute nightmare because like you have a fight <laughs> with one of them you have to fight both of them and i was strong because they're loyal to each other well they're best friends you know they yeah. you know they share the wounds are they, identical? they are not identical although okay they don't even look remotely like brothers. I look more like Harry than Harry looks like Sam. I was mm. making a film once. We were in the green room. My brothers came to visit me. You wouldn't know they were brothers had you just met them. And this actress I was working with, she was like, oh my God, you guys are like, you're twins. And we were like, yeah, 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 they're twins. It's really cool. And she said, are you identical? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, uh, I don't know. Have a, Take a guess, mate. Um, <laughs> But yeah, playing, you know, I was very lucky when Paddy came along. We had two teams. We called ourselves the Singletons, Paddy and I, against the Doubletons, Sam and (laughs) uh, Harry. And what was great was because I was older, I was better at sport just because of my age, nothing to do with my talent. So I was better and then disadvantaged by Paddy, which kind of leveled us out. And then Sam and Harry were, you know, not as good as me, but because there was two of them, it kind of made a very equal team. And our parents were so good at sort of saying, you're outside, go and play with your brothers. We didn't make all of you for nothing. You know, you're not playing on the PlayStation. Go and play with the gifts that we gave you as parents, which is each other. Um, So we were always just kicking the crap out of each other and playing football and rugby and cricket and tennis and all that sort of stuff. So we were very, very active kids.
0: It does seem like probably uh, the necessity then to have active vacations. I feel like your parents wouldn't want to bring you somewhere where part of it was just sitting around and doing nothing.
1: Totally. And there's also like four boys. If you go back and watch any of our home videos, my parents both look like they're strung out on heroin. Like they honestly (laughs) like, they look so awful, bless them. And they are so tired because they went from one to three. And Sam and Harry yeah, yeah. weren't easy. My mom and dad said the most peaceful experience when having twins is when you fly on an airplane because you know they can't kill themselves. So you just sit there, let them run away. And he said that they would, you'd see like Harry's red hair just pop up on a seat, six aisles in front of them. And my parents were too tired to do anything about it.
0: It's very impressive that they then went for a four. I mean, I feel like to, uh, to survive twins, to be at three... And then to, uh, to roll the dice one more time and get Patty. It's very, uh, obviously says something about how much they like their kids. I
1: think, and I can say this because Patty is aware of this, but they wanted a girl. Yeah. <laughs> and along came Patty, who really is like the shining star of our family. Like he's the funniest one. He's the most social one. He's the sportiest one. He's really incredibly artistic. He's just started painting and he's so good.
0: It's very hard to find a photo of Paddy where uh, he doesn't have a very luminous smile, mm-hmm. is my experience.
1: Paddy also has what I love. One of the things I love so much about Paddy is his his laugh has never changed. So his giggle, when you get him going, I had the luxury the other day of Paddy was at home at my mom and dad's house. I was home alone. I wanted to watch a movie. I texted Paddy. I said, bro, I'm at home. If you fancy coming over to have a movie night, let me know. I'm here. He says, I'd love to. He comes over. I just bought this really cool little cinema drop-down screen thing in my living room, using it for probably the first time. And we're scrolling through, we're going through the arduous task of like scrolling through iTunes to try and find a film to watch, and he'd never seen This Is The End. And I, oh, I yeah. was like, oh, my God, you, I am so excited that you've never seen this film. And to sit there with my brother and hear him giggle like a four-year-old at this film was like, honestly one of the highlights of my year. It was amazing.
0: We, Josh and I don't, you know, he's, he's West Coast and I'm East Coast and we don't see each other enough. And when we do, like I was in L.A. for a day, I like plan ahead the funny thing I want to watch. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
0: don't watch it without me because I still, I think that joy of watching something with a sibling, knowing in advance the sense of humor is going to line totally. up and it's just going to be no judgment, just joy. It's so much fun.
1: It's like my brother and I, this past week, we were in upstate New York playing some golf and just enjoying the countryside. And we, in the evening watched an entire season of that show survivor. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. That show is amazing. Like I'd never heard of it before. I'd never seen it. We're on Netflix. I love survival shows. There's a show called alone, which I really love.
0: I thought Mm -hmm. that's what
1: I was getting myself into. Like 10 survival experts are dropped in the wilderness and they have to survive for the longest they can. But I was like, what is this really weird show? And I was a little skeptical to begin with. And by the end of the last few episodes, I'm like, Michelle's gameplay there is off the charts. Like the way she's backstabbing so-and-so, like if she can get these people, I was so into it. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to start a new season of that with my brother.
0: Great. Oh, great. All right, we have a few questions for you here at the end, and then we're going to let you go. First of all, thank you so much for being with no, us. No,
1: thank you for having me.
0: I know you've taken some great vacations. Do you have any place left, dream vacation you would want to go on? with your family?
1: I'd love, 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 love to go to Australia or New Zealand. I've never been to that part of the world. I've only heard that it's amazing. Um, So if I was gonna go away with my family, if we were gonna do like a big family vacation, we are actually going away as a family at the end of next month. Uh, We're going for a little family golf trip, but I would like to go to Australia.
0: All right, great. If you could
2: go on vacation with any family that is not your family, who would you go on a family vacation with?
1: That's a great question. I pro- Probably Zendaya's family. Her family are amazing. That's great. great
0: that you like her family.
1: Yeah, they're awesome people.
0: And I'm assuming, um, unless they have terrible taste, your family likes Zendaya? hmm <laughs> That's really nice.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You, I would like it if you were like, no, they're the five people that, They're the only five
1: people on the planet that just despise her. (laughs) They just, they, yeah. (laughs) It just is not working for them.
0: They don't hate her. They just don't, (laughs) they just don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Another question. Last one. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon?
1: I've flown over it.
0: Okay. That doesn't count. I haven't been there. Yeah. Follow up. Do you want to go? Are you inviting me? (laughs) Well, Seth doesn't want to (laughs) go. No gonna, all of our guests what we're gonna do tom is all of our guests we're gonna enter into a raffle okay and at the end of the season we're gonna draw one name and pay an all-expense paid trip so if you want to be entered in the raffle i guess is the question
1: throw me in the raffle i'd love to go and see okay. that big crack in the ground <laughs> yep never been something on my radar really but mm-hmm. i think america really does have the most beautiful landscapes Canyons. in the world and what a great canyon you guys have. It's Thank the you. great yeah. one. This
0: is coming. This is coming off as very sincere, how how nice you're being about our canyon. Yeah,
1: I'm really impressed by <laughs> the canyon, guys. Um, I would love to go to the Grand Canyon.
0: <laughs> there we go. This is I'm just I'm gonna add this to the show notes so that everybody can see it, but I did want to show this to you, Tom. Someone recommend I show this to you. My um my middle son, who's five, had a lemonade stand the other day and he did wear his Spider Man outfit. And then it got a little cold. So he had to put a coat on yeah. over it. And just so you know, this isn't a competing Spider Man because he, he wears glasses. So it's like a different, it would be in a different universe right. where Peter Parker doesn't see great. But there's a, there's a. Deer. I
1: love it. Hilarious. Yeah. I love the coat over it as well.
0: Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot wrong with it, but it's all, everything wrong. With it makes it more right. of
2: course. It's a rabbit fur coat, right? Yeah, it's a rabbit fur
0: coat. He's he's still wearing fur.
1: That's hilarious.
0: And it's real rabbit. For our listeners, it's real rabbit.
1: And Um, I'll be signing off now, guys.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hey, uh, um, uh, Tom, what a delight uh, uh, to see your face and uh, to get to talk to you about your... Um, just really amazing family it's really cool how close you all are
1: thanks dude well it's lovely to see you both Josh it's nice to meet you Seth you know how much I love you mate and how much I enjoy doing your show so thanks for having me and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon
0: I look forward to the next time you're here check out The Crowded Room on Apple and we will see you next time Tom. amazing
1: thank you guys I'll speak to you soon okay, alright then thanks, bye thanks Tom